good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 565 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Sunday, June 28th, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, TikTok wants your mobile clipboard. Nintendo doesn't want your mobile gaming, and Microsoft wants you to uh, use Facebook. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options on our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook or on our website, plughitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are a couple of ways that you can do that. First, you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at f5live.tv slash join us. There, of course, you can chat with us in the studio, give your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can always subscribe at plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live. Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, find all the ways that you can watch or listen. Abram, oh my goodness, it has been a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, it really has. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad to uh, that we're back tonight. Fingers uh, crossed. Excited, excited about that. Let's hope. Let's hope it continues. I'll just try to talk fast so we get to the end. <laughs> you know. But uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, I'll, I won't try to, to, uh, to, be, to belabor the point. Uh, but uh, I hope, uh, I hope you had a good, good Father's Day. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, it was, it was uh, really nice. My brother cooked. Uh, I didn't have to. I didn't even have to do anything. My brother took care of everything, so that worked out well for an easy day oh wow, great yeah so you know we we uh spent some time with my mom for father's day uh, and uh my son and i well this was actually more of like the result of father's day because got myself a father's day gift that my son and i built together which is like a this robot nice so that was pretty that was pretty cool we mostly did it this weekend um but uh Anyway, I don't want to talk about what this is because I promise not to talk about Raspberry Pi stuff on the show <laughs> for a week. <laughs> Although it's not part of my segment. Oh, uh, that's so funny. The, the body of this is called the STS Pi. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, anyway, it's uh, we've been having a lot of a lot of a lot of fun pro- a lot of fun programming this, and um, you know, that's uh, and I and. I got a gift certificate for Father's Day, and I'm trying to figure out what to use an Amazon gift certificate. I'm trying to figure out what other project kit sure. stuff to get for our next project because uh, that's my Father's Day kind of stuff. Is my son and I doing tech projects together? So, you know, yeah, I taught him HTML two days ago. Interesting. He, he said it's easy. It is. I mean, the it, basics. I mean, it is just a markup language. It's not. Yeah. Right. That's exactly. I just, oh, it's just formatting. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he now speaks, he now has some fluency in like five programming languages. Impressive. So, 
I yeah, good. I was asking, I was asking him about today. He can he can do, uh, Scratch, which is a block based one. Uh-huh. He can now do some Python, which is what we've been working on with our projects together. He uh, he's seen some JavaScript. Uh, he spent a lot of time doing things. He's done some JavaScript for Minecraft and spent a lot of time watching me do it. Uh, and he's used something called Lua, which is uh, for the Roblox game. Uh, and now, I don't know, I wouldn't count as a programming language exactly, can do HTML. So not bad, you know, not bad for her, for him, not bad for, for being eight. Yeah, for sure. That's that's more than I was yeah. doing at eight. <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't have five. Five programming languages didn't exist when I was eight. There was the Abacus and there was COBOL. Uh <laughs> Cobol and Fortran. <laughs> it was machine language. You could just type ones and zeros. They hadn't invented. Yeah, compilers were still new. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, well. Uh, this has been an interesting week for me. Because uh, I've had, in addition to the show tonight, I've had two other broadcasts this week. That... <laughs> Just in the last, you know what, in fairness, in the last 26 hours, I have had two other broadcasts. Uh, last night, we did the uh, social dis dance, which is my favorite thing to say, uh, for the <laughs> for the Drew Project, which was a, a lot of fun. And then uh, early this afternoon, we had the uh, uh, a drag performance because Brandon... Uh, the vice president of the Drew Project won a drag performance uh, as a as a gift and asked if the gift if the uh, prize could be streamed for uh, for the organization. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. So it's it's been an interesting weekend. Uh, producing a drag show is a fascinating experience. Uh, I we've always used the term herding cats for like CES and stuff, but mm -mm, nope, this, this this was herding cats. This was, there were only two of them. And it it was a, it was a little bit like uh, having a a drunk person try and tell a story because it it wasn't like a straight line from the beginning of the show to the end, but it was so much fun. I'm so glad that we did it. And I, if uh, if people want to see it, the Drew Project uh, on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, wherever you are, you'll find it. Because, again, I produced it. So if all the places that we are right now, you'll find that. So, uh, so yeah, been an interesting week. And every show, the uh, setup has been a little different. So I have rebuilt this studio three times in the last couple of days. And uh, I'm glad that it's back to normal. And I'd like to keep it that way. Fingers crossed. We'll see how long it stays. <laughs> anyway, well, it's been way too many weeks since we've talked about stuff. So uh, let's get down to some news. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is probably powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a new Xbox One, either S or X, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And 
Remember that current students and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And to find out more, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So probably the big topic of the week was WWDC, uh, Worldwide Developer Conference for Apple. Uh, it's when they show off what's coming to iOS, uh, Mac OS, Watch OS, TV OS, all of the gener- generic words followed by OS. Um, and this year, one of the things that they made a big deal about was uh, more granular uh, permissions. And uh, one of the new permissions that has been added for iOS 14 is uh, clipboard access. And so uh, you can know when an app is uh, accessing your clipboard and uh, you will get a notification with the ability to allow it, allow it once, allow it always, or tell it to hit the bricks. Um, and boy, has that opened the eyes of people who are testing iOS 14 because a ton of apps that you wouldn't expect to be accessing your clipboard are, for example, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. What? That's weird. Um, Because why? Why would they possibly be accessing your clipboard? That's weird. It's not like, uh, you know, some apps, it makes sense, you know, trying to add some uh, some ease of use. Uh, True Caller is an example. Um, you know, if you've got a phone number in your clipboard, when you open True Caller, it'll go, hey, this uh, is a phone number. Do you want us to look it up for you? Which is nice. And, you know, it just makes it one step faster. But they're accessing what's in your clipboard. Maybe it's a password. Maybe, you know... Who knows what might be in there? So, a little weird for apps to be accessing the clipboard. But the app that has made the most noise, as usual, is TikTok. Uh, and that is because, obviously, there's no reason for them to be doing it. And with all of the privacy concerns surrounding TikTok already, the question was immediately raised, what in the world are they doing? What why are they doing that? And what are they doing with it once they have it? Um, and so TikTok said, oh, our bad. We're getting rid of it. Um, and haven't yet. So. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm interested to, it's interesting to know that Apple let them get away with it up until this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, I obviously I'm, you know, biased by my own experience experiences which are not with the apple app store but with late recently with mm-hmm. google's chrome web store which has given me a i think we've talked about this on mm-hmm. the air given me a really difficult time about some extensions i made just to share with a handful of people right um and and also i actually do have one chrome extension that i haven't touched in a couple of years it has like that at least i don't know if any of them are still using it but has had 14 or 15,000 downloads over time that they now want to kick out uh, because retroactively, I guess it, they didn't like the permissions or something. Um, The thing is there are legitimate reasons for something to access the clipboard because I've written extensions that do. Sure. And you know, you may now, I don't know what TikTok's legitimate reason is, but I, 
I would love for these things to more accurate, accurately talk about what happens to the data that they're accessing. Mm-hmm. Does it leave the device? Right. Because like, for example, the extension that I had written, it had to use your clipboard for, um, it's a hack to a very specific web tool that we use that the only way to do it is to put some data into the clipboard and then paste it. Sure. But I don't see it. Like it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's on your computer. It's yeah. just using the clipboard. Um, so is TikTok looking at the clipboard and can nobody tell, uh, can nobody tell what they're doing? Um, right. And why is Apple so, so, so forgiving of, of this because with Google and I'm, if they're doing it with the web store, I'm sure they're doing it with the with Google play as well. Like every permission that you ask for, you have to write a doctoral dissertation on why you should have this permission and you may get turned down anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you want permission to open new tabs? Because I think lets you click a link and open a new tab. Mm-hmm. Why do you want like, every single thing you've got to like spell spell out to them and i don't even know who who's looking at it but their bias is in favor of rejecting things so but maybe if you're a big big app like tiktok uh you don't you don't get rejected i don't know maybe it's it's definitely interesting the the level of transparency is certainly too low on data usage uh, and granted verification would be complicated and I understand that um, but you know the idea that that like true caller right well it's, it's, it's a great example because it's one of those things that lots of people have because it works real well right so uh, it accesses it checks does this look like a phone number and if so it pops up a thing do you want to search for this number that's probably all it's doing, which is entirely device based. It doesn't care, you know, if it says monkey one, two, three, it it's like, well, that's not a phone number and just moves on with its day. But, you know, an app like TikTok, which is is so known for privacy concerns, you know, the Federal Trade Commission has has sued them for for uh, spying on kids. They're uh, directly uh, engaged with the Chinese government and they do a lot of censorship. Yeah. It's the, uh, Congress is working on a, a thing that won't allow, uh, employee government employees to use it on a government device. I mean, like the, the, the level of concern is, is high. So when something like this happens, obviously your first thought, you're the first place you go is nefarious. Must be. Everything else they do is. Why wouldn't this be? Um, but the, the fact that just like just like uh, apps that access your contacts, right? What are they doing with your contacts? Are they uploading them to a server so that they can sell the data? Maybe. If it's a solitaire game that's asking for your contacts, probably. You know? um, so the, the level of data transparency is, is gonna... super low. I guess TikTok is going to ride this permission down the old town road until they can't no more. Interestingly, they have said that they have already fixed it. And yet, no, 
not not in not in my experience users i for all the reasons that we just said just like my my stance on zoom i won't install it anywhere um and so i can't test it i won't test it but uh users on twitter are saying that even after the most recent update uh they're still getting clipboard permission dialogues so it's like, do they know? Have they seen the dialogue that pops up every time that says, hey, this probably shouldn't happen? <laughs> Are you sure that you want them to do this? <laughs> I mean, I understand. iOS 14 is only available, theoretically, only available to developers. It's only been available for like five days. I get that. But shouldn't they have already installed it and seen what the dialogue looks like and gone, oh, that's going to scare people? No doubt. I don't know. It all, it, it, it's all pretty weird, but it is not the only one. Like I said, uh, there's there's a couple others that I mentioned by name, but uh, in an Ars Technica, Ars Technica interview, 54 high-profile apps um, were all pointed out as odd that they would ask for permissions. The newspapers are the most obvious as odd. Why? Um but 54, including uh, TikTok, are all pointed out um, as why would they be? Some some things, and I don't fully understand why. I would love to understand why. Ask for location information when it seems not relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we had a situation, uh, admittedly, I guess my son and I have kind of moved on from Lego Boost because he's gotten older and now we're messing with like more adult level uh building stuff but the when he was using lego boost there was an issue where the lego boost app wanted gps permissions wanted location permissions if you are familiar with that it is a robot kit for kids you build it in your house you send commands to the robots but there should be absolutely no reason why it i mean it needs your bluetooth obviously and but there should be absolutely no reason that it needs GPS. And because it needs GPS, I don't know if they've ever fixed this. You could not use it on a kid Amazon fire kids tablet because that's a permission that you can't give uh, to a kid's account for any app on a kid's account. And I remember I actually wrote to someone at Lego about this and they said something like in order to access Bluetooth, we have to ask for location permission, which seemed very odd to me. Um, so maybe I didn't quite understand what they're saying, so I'm not quoting uh, Lego verbatim, and this was a couple of years ago, but I wonder if some of the things the companies are asking for permission for, you think that they really want your location, but they need it to use uh, something else that they really need, like Bluetooth. It's, it's like in the... In the old permission days, for the most part, it's been corrected since then. But the in the old permission days, um, and if you had a flashlight app, it had to have access to the camera because the flash the the flash was a part of the camera array. You can target those separately today. Um, I think um, I I know you could in the last version of Windows 10 Mobile. I think um, so. I imagine Android and iOS have done the same thing. But uh, they've started to split that stuff out so that you could turn the light on without having to say, we need access to your camera. What? 
<laughs> it's a flashlight. Right. Um, so just, just because it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, some of the, some of the other ones on the list that are, that are a little bizarre, uh, fruit ninja accesses your clipboard. Um, PUBG uh, accesses your clipboard. Plants vs. Zombies Heroes, um, which is obviously odd. Uh, Zeusk, the dating platform, accesses your clipboard for some reason. Um, can't imagine what. Uh, some of them I understand. Hotels.com uh, does it for the same reason that Truecaller does. It says, hey, this looks like an address. Are you looking for a hotel in that area? Um, things like that. So that's similar to, to what Truecaller does. Um, but AccuWeather, what do they need your clipboard information for? <laughs> uh, Bed Bath & Beyond is an interesting one. I don't know what in the world that could possibly be. I, I just wonder if it's a hack. I wonder if it's a hack and they're actually using the clipboard uh-huh. at almost like a cookie to transfer data within the within the app. Well, I don't know. Hopefully not because hopefully they would fire the the developer that thought that was a good idea. <laughs> um, there's way better ways to with a with a shared class you can easily do that. But anyway, um, it's definitely an interesting situation and uh, one of those things that every time we have a new iOS uh, build and they add a new collection of permission things in, we find stuff like this. So uh, you might want to check the list, see if anybody's doing something that you use doing anything interesting and uh, uh, try and address it with them. I don't know. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices, and you can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee, all by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, so uh, it's been a number of weeks since we tried this <laughs> to do a proper yeah. episode, and uh, things have happened, and you have things, right? Yes, I am so pumped about this new intro, though. I can't Are think you? about anything else. Uh, what? It? I, I love it. I love it. So if I wanted to... Uh, like sort of Scrooge McDuck and like jump in a pile of money and take a picture with it. I wouldn't have the money, but I would have the chargers uh, to jump in a pile of chargers because uh, I have been doing a roundup of GAN, gallium nitride powered chargers, and I've got a whole bunch of them and uh, they are really cool. Uh, So this was an event, something that's that we started seeing at CES and then um, 
you know, actually it started before CES, but really companies were showing off like the latest models at CES. And now um, they've actually started coming out and I've gotten in a whole bunch of them to test. So what what are these chargers and, and why should you care? Well, um, I don't even have one super handy at the moment, but uh, I think you know, I think everybody here knows what the charger that came with their laptop looks like. Uh, so let me hold you up this charger here. This will charge most laptops that have USB-C charging, I should say. So this here is a 61 watt Aki PB PAB2. Um, it, it is just 43 by 43 by 30 millimeters, making it, I believe, based on my research, the smallest laptop charger you can get. And the reason for this is that rather than using the old fashioned components that took up more space, a lot of vendors are now using uh, gallium nitrite, uh, otherwise known as GAN. Uh, and GAN uh, components on the inside can handle a lot more power more efficiently. And so you can pack it into a smaller space. Uh, so these are really, really cool. And they really don't, don't cost that much. Uh, I believe this one here, the PAB2 is, has it come out yet? May actually have it a little early. Um, the... Uh, I have the RAV power equivalents, which is almost a small here for uh, this is 30 bucks. This is RAV power is a really tiny one. And you can see it's just a teeny bit bigger than the Aki. Just a little bit. Just a little okay. bit. They look almost identical. Not by much. Um, you know, well, I'm trying to, right? Um, you also can get one that is 100 watts. So where did I put it? So here, this is a RAV power charger that is 100 watts, or is it 95 watts? It's 100. Um, this will charge a MacBook Pro. So, and you know, compared to the little one, it seems big, but compared to the MacBook Pro charger that people get with their MacBook, it's tiny. Yeah. Um, uh, and this one actually has two uh, outputs on it. So theoretically, and I got to test this, I'm in the middle of testing these, you could take it and charge two and, and juice two laptops, uh, two regular, you know, uh, you know, non MacBook Pro, you know, like an Air or uh, regular MacBook or, um, you know, something like a ThinkPad or a Dell XPS. Uh, you could probably charge two of them off of this because uh, really what is needed for the for a typical um, you know small thin and light laptop uh, that has USB-C charging which a lot of them now do really you only need 60 watts or so even 45 probably would do it um, I was looking uh, the other day at my uh, my daily driver laptop here, which is a, a ThinkPad X1 Carbon, um, when plug uh, when plugged in, uh, although I, 
I think I was only using something like 20 watts, maybe 25. Mm-hmm. Um, now that wasn't really running some major tasks. I got to do some more scheduling, some more serious testing, but like that's that's really not a lot of power that's being used. So six, so so you could probably get away with, although they might give you an underpower, um, doing two, you know, two fifty watts off of off of one of these chargers. So if you were at, um, you know, you and a friend were somewhere, you could, uh, you know, plug this in and two two USB C cables out, and you're charging. Uh, so it's just ridiculous how much uh, how much charging output uh, you you get from these. Um, and one thing I was playing with because I want to now these things all use uh, USB power delivery, which is a standard. Uh, but oh, and here here's an I/O gear one by the way. This is 65 watts. How does this compare? It's like it's a little bit different shape. Mm-hmm. So uh, I th- I still think the Aki is smaller. Um, anyway, the um. So I got this cool piece of equipment, and I don't know if I can reach my webcam over to it, but I'm going to try to plug this in for uh, for the benefit of of the audience that is viewing, the audience that is listening. I will just tell uh, I will just tell you that what one can do is that's kind of neat is you can get something called a load tester, which I have gotten, and it will allow you to see to pretend to be a pretend to be a laptop or a phone right because the issue is you can test the charger by trying to plug in your phone or or laptop to it but if it claims to be a 65 watt charger um if it claims to be a 65 watt charger and you um you know your laptop's only using 30 how do you really know you're getting what you paid for so what you do is you get one of these load testers. Uh, I mean, I would say average person wouldn't get one because ah, what would they, you know, want to do it. But here, let's see if I can, oh, there is my load tester. And if it focuses, mm-hmm. you can see on the screen, I've got uh, this charger here, which is a 65 watt Aki uh, plugged in. And I plugged it into something called a PD trigger. Um, this is a little chip that actually tells the USB, uh, anything that's USB power delivery, uh, what voltage mode to send. If something is USB power delivery and you try to plug it into a load tester like this, it will not work without a trigger because it doesn't. it's not getting, I guess, the USB power delivery signal. So... Going from my PD chip to these little screws here uh, with these clips, that's the PD signal. Now, if you can see, you see if you may not be able to see it, it says 4 volts, 4.8 volts, 2.83 amps, which uh, voltage times amps is your watts. So right now I'm at a, only 4.8 volt mode. What you really need on a laptop is the 19 volt mode. So. I hit the button on, on the load tester, turns green, and now I'm up to the 8-volt mode. And I'm going to hit it again, and I'm going to go up to the, the I guess, 12-volt, but it's really showing me 11.7 right now. Then there's like a 14-volt, and then there's the 19-volt. 
I get there yet? Okay, 19.5. So right now I'm at 19.5 and 2.3, which gives me uh, about 38 watts. Um, it's not giving me my full amount because I haven't turned up the dials, the dials here to turn up the amperage. So now I'm at 19.5 and 3.22, which let's keep going. Now I'm at, I change it to the, now I'm at 19.5 and 3.3, which is 64 watts, or this is a 65 watt charger. Now I'm at 65.52 watts. Now, now if you reach a point where you get to too high a number, what happens, it's unfortunate that it goes through the whole menu when I just want it to like, light up the backlight um so i can get up on this to 3.57 amps before it will before it will basically go back to zero which means that it it shut itself off that is 16 i don't know if you saw that i just did it but it was at 69 watts maybe you may not be able to see it because the camera's a little blurry but it was at 69 watts when i uh when I had it at, at, at the best case scenario. So this was a 65 watt charger here. I've gotten back up to 19 point, 19 volts again. Can you see? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, uh, I thought it was pretty cool to kind of play with power and see how much you're actually getting. Uh, the other interesting thing to of note there is that um, the other interesting thing of note there is if you attach something, if you have a, a, uh, power, a charger like this one, uh, that I was just testing, which also has another port. So this has one USB type C port and one type A, and this is the 65 watt, uh, one of the 65 watt Aki chargers that I was just showing. Um, if you use the type A port, like you're using it to power something else like a phone or maybe a Raspberry Pi. Um, then you, you don't get as much wattage from the primary port. You only get, I think in my test, it looked like you were only getting maybe. I think, yeah, I guess it, it depends on how much you're sucking out of the, the type a port, but certainly not additive. You can't get 69 Watts out of the C and then get another 10 Watts out mm -hmm. of the, out of the a or whatever. Sure. Uh, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's been interesting to see, uh, you know, what you actually get. Um, one of the things that's also kind of fascinating is you realize that, uh, it, I mean, it is delivering what it promised. In fact, it's over delivering what it promised. I'm going to go through all of these and make sure that they're delivering what they promised. Um, on the other hand, uh, 65, you probably don't need uh, a full 65 watts or even 60 watts for most laptops uh, that are USB-C charged. And if it's a MacBook Pro, which is the one that uses 100 watt, um, I mean, you probably want all 100, but I don't really have one here to say, hey, is it really using 90 or 85 most of the time? Mm -hmm. um, but whatever the case is, bottom line, uh, Getting one of these gallium nitride chargers like the Aki PAB2 or um, the or the slightly larger 65 watt PAB3, uh, that those are really uh, 
you know, going to save you a lot of space uh, in your bag. They're going to save you a lot of, um, you know, I guess, you know, they plug right. One thing I like about them is they plug right into the wall, their wall warts. It's not like, um, you know, a lot of the chargers where you've got a brick, a power brick, and then you've got a wire to the laptop and you've got a wire to the, to the, um, from the charger to the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, here you've, here you've got this and then you do have to get yourself a USB C to C cable, which is, you know, maybe $5. Right. Uh, and you can get a nice long one and, and run and run that to the wall. So, uh, that to me is a really big advancement. Uh, unfortunately at this time of social distancing and not lack of business travel, it is not as exciting. It's technically exciting, but not as useful as mm. it, not as useful as it was, uh, you know, when I was pondering going to Taiwan and pondering going to, to Las Vegas for my business trips, like, you know, there's, there's no way I would take like my standard Lenovo charger. Now I would just, I would completely leave that at home and take a couple of these. You know, I mean, these are so these are so small. I could like juggle, carry three of them, and use them for juggling tricks. Uh, you know, and you know, if I lost one, I have another now. You know, and they're fairly cheap. Uh, obviously, it almost goes without saying, but I'll say it: these also will charge your phone. Uh, these also will power other things. You know, other things that use USB Type C, uh, so a tablet, um, a Raspberry Pi. Um, so, you know, so they're, um, so they're, they're good for a lot of things. The other one thing I will say though, about the Raspberry Pi one, and I said, I wouldn't do a presentation on Raspberry <laughs> Pi, but I'm just mentioning as part of the chargers. Okay. Is that, um, the, um, official Raspberry Pi charger gives you 5.1 volts. And most of these I've tested are giving more like 4.9 volts. Uh, now that seems to be okay. Uh, five volts is what's recommended. Uh, for Raspberry Pi, but I think 4.9 is close enough. It does. I don't think it gives you an under voltage error unless you're like under 4.7. Um, uh, but it's it's kind of interesting, you know. I certainly find this you know power testing to be an interesting uh, way to kind of see what you're actually getting when you you plug your charger in. I'm also going to do the same with the same with batteries. Uh, I certainly encourage people when they're buying a charging battery to to look at what the what the amps and volts are that they're getting out of that mm -hmm. um you know uh, because that could that could make a difference in whether they're quick charging or they could use to power something uh like the other day i ordered this little lipstick battery here um just coincidentally because uh, my son and i wanted to use it to power a robot and you know even though it's actually made to charge phones um and you know this is a, a great deal this is like an this is an aki charger that's like now it's like 7.99 with a coupon also uh and it it is a type c charger and it promises three amps of power most uh most things deliver maybe most of the batteries are delivering maybe one amp maybe mm -hmm. two amps 2.1 uh, if you're lucky so that means it's yeah so three amps Three amps is good. Three amps, I mean, three amps can very well power Raspberry Pi, but three amps will also give you faster charge, should give you faster charging on your phone. Um, you know, so, you know, and think of all the other things that are USB powered in your life. I mean, you know, people have lamps, 
mm-hmm. and things like that, you know, Ramp, that they're powering with USB fans, wall. all kinds of things. Yeah. So, you know, look, I guess my point is look at the, look at the amperage. <laughs> uh, don't just look at the milliamp hours of, uh, you know, capacity. So anyway, uh, we are doing a roundup on these. I, um, expect to have it up in a few days, but there's a lot of testing to do. Uh, but we do have some articles on, particularly on the, uh, we had covered the launch of the Aki Omnia chargers, which are, include the small one, but we're doing a full roundup uh, of testing, which includes all the main major brands, Aki, Rav Power, uh, IO Gear, and Anchor. Um, so, uh, so check it out when, when it's ready. Very cool. Obviously, the biggest loss in these uh, in these chargers is that term power brick, because <laughs> these definitely yeah, it's not a power don't brick apply. Anymore. Yeah, it's not a power brick anymore. It's more like a wall. It's more like a well, I don't like the word. I don't like warts. So I don't know to call it a wall. Wall wart seems like a seems like a bad word when the thing that's plugging to the wall you like a lot better than the brick. Indeed. I will say this. One thing that is lost in these is the ability to use them for self-defense. I mean, you probably could not really hurt someone that badly with one of these. I mean, maybe if the tongs are really sharp or something. Um, you know, I mentioned this because it's a running joke at Tom's Hardware, which people know is my day job. Uh, you know, what peripherals you would use to defend yourself because one of our editors was once on a plane with someone and, uh, you know, he had a really weird seatmate and the seatmate kept telling him about like all the different things he had in his bag that he could use all the different things my colleague had in his bag that he could use to defend himself if the plane was taken over so it was like oh you know you definitely want braided usb cables not the other kind because the braided usb cables you can use you can use to garrote someone or something weird uh so, you know, it's kind of a running joke whenever we get a, we get a peripheral, we get a, you know, charging cable or, or something. We're like, oh, would you, could you, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of weapon would that, you know, could you defend yourself if you, if you just, if, you know, if you were like, you know, just grabbing something out of your bag to defend yourself? Well, I don't think, uh, you know, if you had a really heavy power brick, you could probably, you know, use that. Sure. Uh, these are, these are extremely light. I didn't even get into the into the weights here, which I'll publish. But they're they're not just small; they're really, really light. I mean, it's, that it's was paper. That was actually so. one of the one of the things that I noticed uh, at CES when uh, when I was handed one during the interview. I was like, "Oh, this feels like an empty shell. This almost doesn't feel like there's electronics in it." <laughs> comparative yeah, comparative mean, to a regular laptop brick, like this feels like. Are there electronics in here, or is this like a CES dummy device? He's <laughs> like, no, that's I mean, a real also, functioning thing. I think this is also crossing over into other things people would use too, like mm-hmm. like the like the power banks themselves getting lighter. Um, oh yeah, and other so, um, and I would expect, although I don't know if we really want them to get lighter, uh, you know, things like power strips um, to. Uh, to use them. Um, although I don't want my power strip to be too light because then it'll fall over. Um, but on the other hand, one of the things that we've talked about in the past is how we'd like for more 
things like power strips to have uh, USB charging ports on them. And this uh, miniaturization of the, the yep. 120 to 5 volt adapter makes that way more likely. Yeah, yeah. So I recently got, this is somewhat on topic. Let me see if I can string it over here. I need another camera just for showing parts of my desk. So I recently got this new, um, I don't know if you can see it with the glowing green light over there. Yeah. But that is a new, um, I bought, this is, wasn't, is not a review product. I just bought it because I needed one. It's a new Aki uh, power tower. Okay. Was, um, power strip. And it is, has 12 outlets and it has six USB outlets. on. Nice. Um, and it's vertical, so it doesn't take up much space. So, you know, yeah, you know, with all your gadgets, you need your power. Now, what I wish is um, the USB ports on it are okay. I wish they had USB instead of having just Type A ports like mm -hmm. it does. I wish it had the. I wish they put would put this in the power in the you know in mm -hmm. the power strip. Yep. Um, but now so that now that we've got maybe someday. Well, now that the technology is small we might actually be able to see that because you certainly couldn't put your Lenovo charger that you have now into that thing and make it fit. Right. But the thing that's in your hand, these GAN chargers, you actually could pull that off. So we might actually be able to see that coming up. I hope so. That would be really cool. Well, as always, Avram, uh, I love talking this stuff. The getting down into the weeds is, is always fun. And, uh, Learning more about the GAN chargers, which I I had a personal interest in after CES, is uh, even more exciting. So thank you for that. And uh, I look forward to the roundup. And of course, I look forward to what we talk about next. week's Extra Life on F5 Live is probably powered by Razer. Get all of the accessories you need to up your game on PC, console, or mobile from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we have here in the studio, a webcam and light for your Twitch or Mixer stream for the next couple of days, I guess, uh, or an entire gaming setup like the Razer Blade 15, you can find it all at Razor by going to f5live.tv slash Razor. Now, uh, a couple years ago, Nintendo did something that was a little bit of a surprise, and that was they announced that they were going to uh, bring their intellectual property to mobile devices. Now, that was a surprise for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because it would involve them contracting with external sources to uh, build the games, and Nintendo has not had the best history of, of licensing its content to other developers. Um, if anybody remembers the horrible Zelda games that were created, I believe, by Panasonic, um, <laughs> Nintendo's been traumatized ever since. Um, 
So that was a surprise, uh, but it was also a little odd because Nintendo was bringing the Switch to market, which was designed to be a home and mobile console. So the idea that they would be doing mobile um, seemed like maybe they would be cannibalizing their own sales. Well, as it turns out, no. It's actually gone the other way. Um, since the uh, since new titles have come out on the Switch, they have actually cannibalized the iOS and Android games. The best example being um, uh, Animal Crossing. When New Horizons launched, it destroyed Pocket Camp. Um, in fact, New Horizons has been so popular that Nintendo's... Uh, uh, stock price is at a 12-year high, which considering, what was it, a year or two ago, we were talking about them having their lowest uh, revenue in 100 years. Uh, so, you know, to have such a sharp change is a big deal. Um, and so, with that, it appears that Nintendo is backing away from the iOS and Android game development um, in fact, they have nothing new in the pipeline. The last thing that came out was um, a Mario Kart Tour. That was in the fall, uh, and nothing's been in the pipeline, and it does not look like they're interested in putting anything in the pipeline, which I can understand. They're going to put their, their resources behind first-party titles on their own hardware, uh, continue to maintain... Uh, the, the games that are out there, but focus on their own stuff. And that makes sense. I I get that. The experiences on the mobile yeah. device, other than Pokemon Go, the experiences on the mobile device were never lived up to what people had hoped for. So, uh, I get it. You know, it's interesting, right? As we continue to get more and more... Um, gaming phones and more powerful phones and even there was there's always been this talk about oh your phone is going to be your new gaming console and people are going to you know not need their their consoles or even maybe even their gaming pcs because their phone is powerful enough and there are all these phone games however i'm not even sure if it's a hardware issue i don't think it is i think if the world agreed that like users and publishers everybody agreed that phone gaming was the way to go and people started charging you know 60 dollars for a title that you play on your phone um maybe uh that would um you know, maybe that would, would be an okay experience. But what's really happening is most phone games are free to play. Mm -hmm. They want you to, to try and pay money for, for, you know, things in the, in, they want you to make an app purchases. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just kind of time wasters. Like yeah. they don't, um, they don't like have a lot of gravitas. Right. Pokemon go has some, some gravitas. Uh, I gotta say, uh, you know, my wife likes to go driving around now and, and catching Pokemon still. And she like took my phone today and just like, oh, you haven't opened Pokemon Go in months, but I just sent you a gift and I gotta make sure you open it. So, 
you know. I, I understand. Uh, Michelle, Danielle, uh, I'm waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Minecraft Earth. Minecraft Earth, um, we haven't, like, used. We mm-hmm. used, you know, we used it for a little while. I guess got, you know, didn't really go out and do it anymore. Uh, so, I mean, some of those location games had some promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise. Because they were different. They were a yeah. thing that that you couldn't play on your PC. You couldn't play on your Xbox. It was it was an experience designed for mobile as opposed to something like Mario Kart World or uh Animal Animal Crossing uh Pocket Camp things like that which were like a watered down version of yeah, the real of game, the- which is a very different thing. The location games give you a new experience and those didn't Right. Yeah, they give you they give you a crappy experience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I played some of the Pokemon games that they have for mobile because my son made me download them, and there the graphics were bad, and all you did was tap things, and then it kept trying to sell you something. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm getting a headache. You yeah. Know? Uh, meanwhile, we got the expansion pack the other day for Pokemon Pokemon Sword, and and we're like, yeah, this is awesome, uh-huh. you know. And we played it on the Switch, and we played through it. Uh, really you know really fast so uh yeah especially now that there's the switch uh mobile gaming is mobile phone gaming is is shown to be kind of light lightweight i mean if people want a good experience mobile gaming on the go they can take a switch Mm -hmm. Uh, or they could take a gaming laptop but that's you know that's definitely a higher level of commitment to carrying a heavy thing or as relatively or as things, you know, uh, progress with it, you know, uh, project X cloud, uh, by itself is promising. Um, but, uh, if, if we can eventually play it paired with the, uh, the, the razor, uh, controller grip thing, uh, that might actually bring like a switch type or, a uh, a Nintendo 3DS type feel to mobile and you'd be playing, yeah. you know, top tier games, which again, isn't a watered down experience, which is what these were, which is why when the full experience came out on the switch, like new horizons, pocket camp went away. Yep. So I can't blame Nintendo for switching to a strategy that works focus on what's focus on what's working they've managed to create they were in some real trouble after the wii u uh and the switch really breathed new life into that company because it gave it a platform that makes perfect sense for its games and with nintendo it's all about the ip Mm -hmm. yeah exactly other other like xbox and playstation 5 i mean i I'm I'm kind of surprised that Xbox and PlayStation haven't tried to come out with a Nintendo Switch competitor that you could you know run on the go, but even if they did, they still wouldn't have the IP. Mm-hmm. So like Nintendo has you know they've done the 3DS and things like that, so they have the legacy of doing that, right? And then they have the right, and then they have the IP that people are used to. You know they have the gate the kind of cute games Mm -hmm. that people are are used to playing that way and don't require fantastic loads of cpu power or gpu power right you know it's just fun to play pokemon 
for its own reasons. It's not it's not the same uh, does not have the same requirements as playing Battlefield Five. Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Nintendo is definitely different than the other two. Its business model is very different. It's all about unique experiences with characters that you're connected to. Your your big four, right? Mario, Zelda, uh, Animal Crossing, and Pokemon. Those are kind of the big four uh, Nintendo properties. And uh, people love them. Continue to buy them. I feel like decades and decades later. I feel like you're dissing Kirby. Fair enough, Kirby. Yeah, he hasn't made and uh, and Smash Brothers, but that's kind of a combination of all of them. So, um, but you know, I think Nintendo could probably survive on their big four if they if they really wanted to. They could they could make a living off of off of those primary four and none of them like you said require big graphics they are just fun to play when the experience is right which the mobile games were not and so back to the switch and it totally makes sense i'm on board um and like you said i i'm surprised that the other guys haven't tried but uh eh, xcloud might be the closest that we get you know a surface a Surface Duo and, and xCloud might get us close to... Uh, it actually would be pretty similar to a Nintendo 3DS, now that I think about it. Um, I'm actually excited to get one of those to do that. Anyway, um, that's, that's that. Don't expect the mobile games that you've already been playing and put time and resources into to go away, but also don't expect new ones to come out. Uh, we've kind of got one for each of the a couple of the big franchises and that'll probably be enough for a while this week's news from the tubes and f5 live is probably powered by riff tracks make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you mike nelson bill corbett and kevin murphy the former stars of mystery science theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best creating commentaries for hollywood blockbusters and b-movie oddities it's like watching a movie with your funniest friends or if you're like me people who are way funnier than your funniest friends <laughs> To find out all of the uh, the feature films, the short films, and the live events that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. So, um, I think we all know that social media, that social media companies have been inconsistent lately. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of heat thrown at Facebook in particular over uh, some of their policy decisions. But even even when you look at uh, just the way rules are applied, we know that it has been less than consistent. Um, you know, one, one public official says something that might be construed as inciting violence, and uh, it gets taken down or gets a flag and another one gets promoted it 
totally inconsistent. And one of the things that has uh, happened this week to uh, kind of show that inconsistency is a Twitter account uh, was suspended for violating the rules. That account was DDoS Secrets, um, and it has been called the new WikiLeaks. Now, that's because since Julian Assange about a year ago uh, ended up in a uh, British prison uh, waiting extradition to the U.S., WikiLeaks has been less active. (laughs) Than, than it has been in the past. And so this organization has kind of come about to continue on the legacy of WikiLeaks. Whether you agree with WikiLeaks or not, not the point. The, the point is that, that this group has come up to, uh, to follow in WikiLeaks' lead uh, in kind of their void. Um, and so this week, a, um, a post called the Blue something, Blue Leaks, uh, which is 269 gig worth of uh, law enforcement related content, including um, officers talking about the their annoyances with the protests and all kinds of things like that. Um, after that was published, Twitter suspended permanently suspended the account. Uh, they said that they don't permit. Uh, the use of our services to directly distribute content obtained through hacking that contains private information may put people in physical harm or danger or contains trade secrets. And while, yes, Twitter's rules do state that, WikiLeaks, that, uh, that published the entire uh, Hillary Clinton uh, DNC uh, email packet in 2016... Uh, their account still exists. And so, again, consistency. Uh, and in addition, Twitter said that uh, part of their decision was that this website was uh, distributing malware, which it wasn't. So it's definitely a weird situation and uh, highlights the inconsistent behavior of the social media companies. And it brings us back to something, Abram, that you and I have talked about a lot. Once you start, once you start moderating content, you wade into some murky water because you're going to miss stuff. You're going to do things different. Humans are human. And, uh, we're seeing that here. So it's really interesting you bring this up because there's something sort of implied in this conversation, which is section two, which is talking about section mm-hmm. two thirty, which section two we, you know, we could we could talk, and I wouldn't mind to talk for a minute about section two thirty, sure. which uh, is right now under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, so for folks not aware, section two thirty is a section of the. It's Communication Decency Act of 1996. Is that, I think, I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think so. Um, Which was kind of the precursor to the DMCA. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Section 230 is a section of the law that says that companies cannot be held liable for content published on their, for user content published on their platform. Right. Um some people will say, oh, that's, um, that's terrible. Uh, I think that people don't realize how important that is. Yeah. Now, 
there was an interesting history of Section 230. I think it was on Ars Technica a couple of weeks ago, which actually brought it all the way back to, I think, a lawsuit involving Prodigy um, in, the, in the 90s. And one of the issues is that Section 230 was actually put into place in order to encourage companies to do moderation because before that, they could use as a legal defense, although I think it still might be an issue. Hey, we don't touch this. We're not touching it. Mm -hmm. So Section 230 gives them uh, protection from being sued even if they do moderate the content because um, the idea was, wow, there was a lot of unmoderated garbage going up there. It's really offensive stuff. And the idea was, well, the companies didn't want to be sued for for how they were moderating. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, so Section 230 in its own way kind of encourages moderation. Now, unfortunately, um, moderate, well, I guess this is always the... Uh, this is fraught from the beginning anytime you're moderating something particularly when you have um a platform that's used for very controversial subjects like social media mm -hmm. is um like facebook and twitter are you are going to offend people by making certain decisions um and so you know these companies have really tried a hard hard um, to avoid controversy, I think, um, more so than to have, mm -hmm. more so than to have rules. And I think the, the position that they put themselves in is now there's controversy coming from them, not moderating. So they feel compelled to moderate. Um, but ultimately what you're talking about here is Twitter is a corporation they are trying to do everything they can to keep revenue on the service right so they what they are trying to do is avoid controversy now unfortunately you can't of you can't avoid it right. because in your effort to not offend one group you will you may offend another mm -hmm. so um so what we have going on now for example is there's a lot of um advertisers who are uh pulling out of facebook right uh i think some of them are pulling out of all social media a lot and of them have decided to saying, pull out of well, social media as a whole right uh you know to be honest with you to me that always made sense they shouldn't have never i mean it was never a high quality medium for advertising right. because you know obviously i'm biased but like editorial content by professionals is a lot more brand safe mm -hmm. for advertisers than user driven content as you would find on on social media right. uh because your ad could appear next to anything right if you buy it's, an ad next to it's predictable as opposed yeah, to social media which is unpredictable to, you know to a particular publication i mean i can't you know guarantee guarantee we will always say everything that every advertiser agrees with uh but we will not like go off of the off of the rails and post right. re post really offensive stuff so like so i i think um it it never really made sense i guess from the fact that they could target people 
uh, but it was never brand safe to advertise right. on social. So now, but now you have like Facebook is, you know, is in a position and Twitter's in the same position where it's like, well, we were in a catch 22, right? Because Facebook decided to take, I mean, Twitter for a long time really was very hands off. And I think what went on here with, uh, with DDoS secrets is, uh, first of all, uh, it's very controversial for them to publish a leak from, uh, from a police organization. Cause that's really going to uh, get a huge backlash. Um, and then, Second of all, maybe they're more conscientious right now that they're under the microscope than they were a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think, um, and I and, think, and, that, uh, I think changing times and Cambridge, you know, Cambridge Analytica for Facebook kind of changed that tide, right? So, and that that came out after 2016. So in 2016, you know, the the DNC emails with all the racial stuff and the things that were going on in those emails, you know, that, uh, si you know, similar, similar types of, of content. Uh, but in 2016, people weren't pissed off at social media like they are today and uh, demanding more action from them. So yeah, changing times. I mean, the other thing, though, is Facebook is right now under a lot of pressure and they haven't changed a lot with the times. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they have made, I think, some minor concessions, but I still don't think that they are willing to, uh, you know, to fact check ads. They've said that you can put, uh, you know, direct lies into um, direct lies into Facebook ads. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of, you know, hate speech on the platform. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, um, you know, advertisers are pulling out. So they were trying not to offend people by not wading into political advertising and not deciding what hate speech was or take a very light hand with deciding what hate speech was. Mm -hmm. But now they're now they're suffering the consequences of not moderating. Right. Absolutely. And and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that progresses in particular over the next couple of months as uh you know there's been louder people uh in the last just in the last month right the 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 people who are calling for action have gotten far louder and have a uh, more powerful voice than possibly they've ever had before and so it'll be interesting to see how all of the companies handle it and you know, whether or not there's a way to figure out how to apply rules more consistently, which is which is the thing. And, you know, all user generated content sites are dealing with this. You know, uh, Twitch has been accused of of the exact same thing, you know, uh, indiscriminately applying or ignoring rules against streamers and things like that. So, you know, it's it's definitely a. A difficult thing because if you and I both look at the same thing, we may come to different conclusions, and that's how moderation works. People look at it, humans, people, <laughs> with their own, with their own skew on the world. So, uh, you know, it it'll be interesting to see if they can figure out where that middle ground is going forward.
this week's news from the... Oh, nope. DRM not included on F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that Prime offers free shipping on millions of products, but that isn't all you get. In fact, for your $99 per year, free shipping might be the smallest of your benefits. Free music with Amazon Prime. Uh, music. Free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. Free games and a uh, free subscription with Twitch Prime, and a whole lot more. And you can learn about uh, a number of the benefits and get a 30-day free trial if you're not a, a subscriber. Uh, or you can even give it as a gift. And you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So uh, speaking of Twitch, let's talk about Mixer for a second. Uh, some people may be watching us on Mixer right now. And um, my recommendation will be to... Uh, Follow us over to Twitch because in a couple of weeks, Mixer will be gone. Uh, in an attempt possibly to hide the news, uh, during Apple's WWDC keynote, uh, Microsoft announced that uh, Mixer was going away uh, on the 22nd of July. Uh, they gave them exactly one month. Mixer will be no more. Um, the high-profile streamers that Microsoft paid to join the service, most notably, of course, Ninja, uh, who left Twitch to come to Mixer, um, they are officially, the night before the announcement was made, they were paid the remainder of their contracts, they were let out of those contracts and told, you can do whatever you want. Uh, Microsoft, on the other hand, uh, their transition plan is through Facebook Gaming, so, you know, out of one fire into another. Because, um, obviously, Facebook gaming, comparatively, is nothing compared to Twitch. Um, so, it's definitely one weird thing into another. But, uh, the, the there's a process. Facebook gaming has an import process uh, from Mixer. So that you can easily uh, bring your your channel over. If you were a partner on Mixer, you're a partner on Facebook Gaming. If you were all the things that you were before, you get to carry over, which is nice. But there's one weird caveat: uh, Facebook Gaming is not available on the Xbox. Uh, so Microsoft, despite having a relationship with Facebook for gaming as the official transition plan uh, on the Xbox One it tells you after Mixer goes away stream on Twitch so, so once again we're back to consistency uh, the messaging is very confusing um, but after Mixer goes away uh, the ability obviously to stream to and from uh, Mixer on the Xbox will be uh, discarded, uh, but that will be temporary, um, which suggests to me that they're working on integrating Facebook gaming in the way that Mixer is now, uh, so that that recommendation to go to Twitch is temporary, but once you're there, you're there, right, Avram? It's like, if you're recommending yeah. people to switch there today they're not going to change again in four weeks or eight weeks or three, three months or, you know, whenever yeah. the new thing comes yeah, into place. Do they think that this is going to help boost Facebook gaming? And yes. To why, 
why is my why do you think Microsoft chose Facebook Gaming as their as their as their partner of choice? Um, I don't know. I I don't know. Because <laughs> they didn't want to choose. Because they didn't want to send traffic to Twitch. I don't know if they didn't want to send traffic to Twitch or maybe Facebook actually made them an offer. Um, they definitely weren't going to send people to YouTube gaming because the relationship between YouTube and Microsoft has always been contentious. Um, but you know, Twitch and Facebook were probably the only options. Facebook may have made an offer and for, for all we know, they may have bought the, the mixer assets. Um, Maybe Facebook is going to move their gaming stuff to Azure. Who you know? Who knows what the relationship might be? And there would have been no, no such option uh, with Twitch. Twitch wouldn't have been interested because they've got AWS yeah. and all that behind them. So they wouldn't have been interested in that relationship. Maybe Facebook is. So it, there might be there might be a financial uh, motivation behind it. Yeah, I'm just. I'm wondering what their selling point is to, to users like, Oh, we had a service. We abandoned it. I, I will say this. Microsoft is really good at, at no, uh, under Nadella is really good at knowing when to, I don't know knowing when, but be, they're definitely cut bait. They will definitely cut uh, mm-hmm. an underperforming project. They will, I mean, windows mobile gone, Microsoft retail you know, stores, uh, Microsoft retail stores we didn't even mention yeah. gone this week. Uh, music gone. Mm-hmm. And, and so you know if you look at if you look at some of those transitions, right? So we've got we've got uh, Xbox Music, Groove Music, whatever Zune, whatever you want to call it in its <laughs> in its life. Uh, when it went away. Um, they had a transition plan. They already had Spotify ready to go. Spotify had an import process. And so, and they gave you a certain number of months for free. If you transfer it in, um, with, with the Microsoft store stuff, there's already a Microsoft store experience, uh, in Best Buy. My guess is that what we'll hear is that some of the official support stuff will start showing up at Best Buy through the Geek Squad um, in the Microsoft Store experience uh, centers. Um, with with Mixer going away, when they made the announcement, they had a transition plan, an import process into Facebook gaming um, with you know keeping all of your status, you know, partner and revenue and all that stuff transfers over one for one uh, yeah, so you know when they when they do bow out, other than other than mobile, and even in mobile, uh, the partnership with Samsung kind of kind of filled that void. Um, you know that when they when they back out of something, there is a transition plan in place. Uh, oh yeah, whether I mean, or it's, not it's a useful except, one. <laughs> yes. Except if I'm, if they were to start a new service, it would certainly make me think twice about, well, you know, if it's something I've got to commit, if I'm committing to something, how long are they going to, Uh to stick with it? Cause you know, when did they sign Ninja? Maybe a year ago. Wasn't even. Right. I mean, I guess, I guess maybe you could call that a last minute desperation move. Um, That's exactly what it was. They see that they see that it's not working and they're going to cut bait. 
but it's an interesting strategy because Microsoft's strategy used to be to to have an ecosystem. Like you've got to be part of this Microsoft ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got everything. We've got everything for you. You know, stay in our stay in our garden. We've got an operating. We've got operating systems. We've got platforms. We've got a search engine. Uh, I mean. One could one one could wonder what is the next you know now they're really comfortable with like okay uh, we realize that we're not as good at music as Spotify so we're gonna just hand the mic to Spotify mm-hmm. um, and you know from a user perspective okay you're, they're right they weren't as good as as Spotify but from a business perspective like you're playing in fewer and fewer um, areas. Um, so, although in fairness, know, how, does this, how does this work out for you? In fairness, they have started to lean back into the old Microsoft of being uh, a like a, a business and developer first uh, system. Yes, there are consumers out there. Yes, consumers use our stuff, but you know, Office three sixty five. There's Microsoft three sixty five too, but. Eh, uh, the Office 365 stuff is really focused on, on you know, business subscribers. Azure is all about businesses and developers. Yeah, they, so a lot of their consumer-facing things, wholly consumer-facing things, are the ones that that have kind of been drying up over the last couple of years. Because you know, uh, um, Chase isn't going into a Microsoft store and buying. Lenovo laptops. They're going to CDW. They're going to yeah. Insight. They're going to somebody like that to buy to buy those. Um, they're not no. they're not streaming on on Mixer. If they're using a gaming thing, they're using Twitch. But they're probably using something like Google Meet uh, or Microsoft Teams. In fairness, um, but that doesn't require. But that's a businessy thing, right? That that's not a although they've added consumer features to teams in the last couple of weeks yeah it but it's the consumer things they're not they're not streaming music in their offices with with groove they're not buying movies yeah. or renting movies with with microsoft tv and video they're you know that's that's not a business thing it's a consumery thing and those are the things we've started to see dry up um except for the the hardcore ones. Obviously, Windows will always be uh, a consumer and business thing. Xbox will always be a consumer thing, and now it's been a big success for them. But you know, it's it's the things that appeal to businesses. They've leaned back towards that direction, and it's working for them. They've handed the reins to their consumer stuff to other people. Mobile went to Samsung. Mixer went to Facebook. Groove went to Spotify, um, but none of them have vanished. There was always a transition plan, and so, you know, I think that makes sense. It's sad to see some things that that we liked. You know, I the video quality on Mixer was always better than Twitch. the the uh, the delay uh, between chat integration is way less on Mixer, so you can actually interact with your your uh, your audience better, um, which was nice. But you know, Twitch and Facebook have have solid services they've both got good followings i mean even uh even uh jay from giant silent bob even he 
streams uh, his gaming stuff on on Facebook gaming, and he does really well with it. So you know, there there's people there. It's not Twitch, but there's people there, which was always Mixer's problem. There just weren't people there. So we were we were always there, but that's because the video quality was better. <laughs> Honestly, God, the video quality is better. <laughs> that's always been my go-to there, um, but. It's over, and uh, it is what it is. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you didn't join us live, would like to in the future, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us. Uh, that will... Hmm, that's going to have to change in the next uh, couple of weeks because the embed there is for Mixer. Um... <laughs> Hadn't thought about that until just this second. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it's always there. You can always join us there. Uh, if you'd like to listen at your leisure, you can always go to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe and see all of our shows and all the different ways that you can subscribe. Uh, you can basically listen or watch anywhere that you are. And if we're missing somewhere that you would like us to be, let us know and we will figure it out. Um, like we said at the beginning of the show, it was great to finally be back after technical difficulties and holidays and everything. Uh, and hopefully we are back to normal because this show went off without a hitch. So with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.